G'day everybody and welcome to another episode of This Week in Crypto. It's been a bit of a slow week in the markets and we'll see what exactly the news is saying. To start off with the first article from Decrypt here, as Bitcoin crashes, data shows whales are buying the dip. I mean, the ongoing crypto crash on-chain data indicates so-called Bitcoin whales have been quietly filling their bags. And that really doesn't come to me as much of a surprise because those that truly believe in Bitcoin and its innovation and future-proofing ourselves from financial ruin in the current system, well, these people will be buying up more Bitcoin because it is a limited asset class with only 21 million coins, with many that have been lost. So, what we're seeing here is Bitcoin down considerably, but the whales continue to buy. And I read from the article, during massive sell-offs like this, many investors liquidate their positions. This, however, does not appear to be the case when it comes to those who hold more than 1,000 Bitcoin. Wouldn't that be nice? Fresh data from Into the Block indicates that this demographic has actually continued to accumulate cheap coins despite bearish prices. Now, I'm not sure if I would go as far as to say that these are cheap coins, because cheap is a word that is a bit cheap. What I mean by that is, where's the value? I mean, is it cheap now? Is it going to get cheaper? I don't know, but it's certainly better to be buying Bitcoin at 20,000 than at 69,000, which is where many people were buying. I read from the article again, in the last multi-year long bear market, Bitcoin whales took advantage to accumulate at a high pace. As pointed out by the red arrow in the chart, Juan Pelliser, research analyst at blockchain analytics firm Into the Block, told Decrypt. He did, however, point out the fact that even though whales' balances continue to grow, so far we don't see them doing it with the same intensity as the last bear cycle. Well, let's, uh, I guess, what, what can we read into this? Well, we can read into it and say that the people that are behind Bitcoin that have massive wealth in Bitcoin are looking to accumulate more Bitcoin. As far as suggesting that we're going to go back into a bull market or whatever right away, that's not what this article is suggesting, nor is it what I am suggesting. What it is showing, however, is people that have made lots of money, significant amount of money in Bitcoin, are now loading back up again. We can take that however we would like to take it, but of course, as Bitcoin prices do fall, we do get better buy-in prices to dollar cost average our way back into the market. So, very, very good to see. Um, the, the next part of this article says, Bitcoin bull market in sight with a question mark. Now I read, still, when asked about the probability of such a scenario, Pelliser says there are no clear on-chain structures that point out to a very fast market recovery, meaning we could be in this period of downtrend for quite some time. Talking now to retail, he says, this fast accumulation pace by retail investors was only seen the last two years, only right after the COVID crash. If you recall, we felt, I think it was 3,800. And the price, sorry, and the price back then bounced hard after some weeks. Well, all we can do is speculate and hope that the whales are buying Bitcoin. Are you? Now, onto another one of these bad stories about these lenders. And we go to CNBC right now. The headline reads, another crypto lender, Vold, pauses withdrawals as market crash takes its toll. I'll read the major key points from this article. Crypto lender Vold on Monday paused all withdrawals, trading and deposits on its platform and is exploring potential restructuring op options, the company said. Vault said it's facing financial challenges due to volatile market conditions, which has led to customers withdrawing more than $197.7 million from the platform since June 12. Vault is the latest crypto, sorry, the latest victim of the cryptocurrency price plunge this year that has exposed flaws in a number of digital coin projects and business models. 
And again, we have seen many of these. We've seen many of these collapses of these lending platforms. And do not forget, please take this on board. If it's not in your storage, it is not yours. Realistically, it can be blocked, it can be stopped, it can, they can go bankrupt. And this is third party or counterparty risk. As traders, of course, we must have some of our crypto on platform so that we can use that for margin purposes, but do not put all of it there if you can avoid it. Another thing to consider here as well, is that if you are able to get a larger or higher degree of margin available to you, it means you will have to hold less of your actual assets on the platform and therefore more in your cold storage wallet. So Vold, I think I'm saying that right, Vold has seen massive, massive withdrawals. They have pulled the plug on you pulling money out, so you cannot take anything out. So here's a little bit from the article. Vol's move to halt withdrawals comes less than three weeks after CEO Bethesia said the company continues to operate as usual despite market, sorry, despite volatile market conditions. In a June 16 blog post, Bethesia said withdrawals are being processed as usual, as usual, and this will continue to be the case in the future. Of course, that was probably when things were under control to a certain extent. Of course, with all of that money being withdrawn, of course, most of that probably being through fear of a Celsius type default. Not that they have defaulted yet, but you know, that's the rumor or whatever. We're not talking about rumors too deeply, but people were scared with Celsius. They couldn't get their money off, and Vold seems to be another one that has fallen victim to the Celsius fall. That may have put more pains into their pockets. Of course, we have seen $660 million lost by Three Arrows Capital and a lot of uh, lifelines being sent there from mainly FTX and uh, Alameda Research. Over to Coindesk now, where we see Argentinians taking refuge in stablecoins after economy minister resignation. Major cryptocurrency exchanges reported that consumers purchased up to three times as many stablecoins over the weekend as they usually do amid a brewing economic crisis. And we never like to see crises anywhere in the world when it comes to the financial side. We are seeing some high inflation around the world, Australia, the US, the UK, all part of that. But here we have a large amount of um, instability or destabilization in Argentina. And the way that people are taking advantage of this is by bulking up their money into stable coins. I hope the stable coins stay strong so that they don't face any pain further than the already uh, very high inflation. Now, in this article, uh, I'll read from this, Guzman's resignation is part of the latest fallout from a fight between Argentinian President Alberto Fernandez and the Vice President Cristina Fernandez de Kirchner over the econ economic direction of the country, which saw inflation in May spike 60% year over year. And this is another reason why Bitcoin and cryptocurrency gives people the option to move away from a base currency if, we, if they do have fears of mass inflation. It's an option that didn't exist before Bitcoin was around and it is one that I think is very, very positive. Now coming to the Argentinian, uh, one of the Argentinian um, exchanges, Exchange Buanbit recorded a 300% increase in trading on Sunday compared to the same day in previous weeks, the company told Coindesk, adding that may, many people use their DAI as collateral to obtain loans in Argentine pesos and purchase more DAI as protection against a potential peso devaluation. Oh, scary. <laughs> so they're using loans, the whole system again coming to the fore. We've seen issues in that. I hope they're safe. I hope it holds up. And I hope the Argentinian people make the right decision and they they're looked after by the crypto community because hyperinflation is a very, very bad thing. 
Due to the lack of price references for the US dollar over the weekend, most Argentine exchanges increased the spreads between bid and ask prices to 18%, when in general they are around 2%. So it does come at a cost. Essentially, as they see an influx of people wanting to get into the space, the spread on that, the place at which you can buy and sell, it gets wider, therefore giving the exchange a bit more money in its back pocket, essentially. So. That's what's happening over in Argentina. Over to Bitcoin.com news, we're looking at Dubai is preparing to take its government to the metaverse. And what can only be described as yet another move from Dubai and the UAE, which happens to be the most productive and forward thinking country in the world when it comes to our digital asset space so far, as far as a big company or big country is uh, you know, confirm. The government of Dubai, Dubai is preparing to make part of its offices available in the metaverse, according to reports. The country is currently seeking third parties to help it arrange a transition of some of its departments to the virtual world, per statements made by a metaverse event, by sorry, at a metaverse event, uh, by Sharad Agawal, chief metaverse officer of Cybergear. So that's quite an interesting take. Now I do recall speaking. Um, uh, something in Dubai where they were using the blockchain for a lot of the paper trails so that it doesn't have, they can save themselves lots of paper, save themselves lots of money and make sure the ledgers are much more stable and secure. This was years ago now, I think when I was in Dubai back in, well, oh, geez, 2019. Now we see them coming into the metaverse. Now, a little bit more from this article. We've started getting a lot of inquiries from government departments and ministries to make the metaverse enable. It is just a matter of time before Dubai becomes the crypto and metaverse hub of the world. And that again is from Sharad Agarwal, Chief Metaverse Officer of Cybergear, a Dubai-based Dubai metaverse company. And that's what he's talking about. So they are looking to move forward and move ahead. I wonder how that looks. Does that mean that people would work from home with a VR set on and still be there with their cubicle buddies and stuff? I don't really know, but I tell you what, if anyone can do it, it's Dubai because they are certainly very, very, very forward thinking. A bit more into this article says countries betting on metaverse and applications. Dubai has been one of the countries that has put a global plan in place to make the metaverse a profitable industry in the future. The Dubai Metaverse Strategy, a group of directives that aim to make the metaverse contribute 1% to the GDP of the country for 2030, aims to provide 42,000 virtual jobs by that same year. Other countries like South Korea are also investing heavily into developing their own metaverse industry, allocating $177 million for this endeavor. That's huge, isn't it? This is not just private enterprise that's coming forward and going, the metaverse is great, we should all be in the metaverse. Metaverse, 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 web three, you know, here's some big words that everyone likes to talk about that gets clicks. These are actually countries that are saying, we're doubling down, we see technology as the future. And we're gonna put some money into this one because we do see whether it happens right away or down the track, they wanna be leaders. And kudos to them for taking that forward step. Again, reading a quote here uh, from the real estate market, which was, this quote was put forward by, again, Agal. It says, Dubai is a huge real estate market. In the future, people will be able to fly like Superman to a community, look at the villas and view the villas and also configure the interior decoration to their liking. Once they're satisfied, they can pay digitally. So let's just, let's just take a moment on that. This is a real use case that I can actually see as being beneficial. I live in Australia. Let's say that I've decided I wanna buy a place in Dubai. I jump in the metaverse, boop, I walk around, check it out, I can change the furniture, I can change the colors of the walls, the sink tap, like the, the fittings, basically video game my apartment, let's say it's an apartment up, and then I can say, yep, 
I want to buy that and I'll pay for it in Bitcoin. That's pretty, pretty impressive, especially if it's not just a metaverse property I'm buying, but an actual property that I'm buying. Of course, there would need to be a lot of audits and whatnot and quality assurances to make sure that I actually got the result that I was after, not just by seeing it in the metaverse, but what a wonderful way to grow, especially in a world where we've had this pandemic of late. And by the sounds of what everyone's saying, it looks like they're going to be trying to bring out more. Now, if that is to be the case, it might be more difficult to be acquiring assets around the world, especially property. The metaverse might be able to help us do exactly that. And with Bitcoin being a payment method potentially for the future, we might better do everything with our VR goggles on. That's innovation, baby. That is innovation. On to our final uh, recording, sorry, our final recording, on to our final article here in the news this week. Uh, in Cointelegraph, are expiring copyrights the next goldmine for NFTs? This will be interesting. Most people think of digital art when it comes to NFTs, but in the future, expiring copyrights could be preserved, refreshed, and repurposed using non-fungible token technology. Huh. Although non-fungible tokens are mostly common for the digital art, they exist in many other forms and represent much more than just that. So, of course, we got we understand that musicians are using it to, you know, they can bring out their own NFT. They can they can you know not just the art side of it, but people can buy into their you know um, earnings of an album, for example, just an example. Uh, and it's really opening up a lot of opportunity out there. We see NFTs being taken up by Nike, by big NBA franchises, by big sporting franchises. And again, once once more, I will draw back to an article a couple of weeks ago from one of these news pieces that I've done, stating that sports fans are 40% more likely to be holding NFTs or cryptocurrency. So again, that relationship continues to grow. As it says here in the article, in the consumer product industry, Nike, Gucci, and many others are selling their digital branded products in the form of NFTs. A lot more real world applications of NFTs are still to be explored, and one of them is digital publishing industry. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So again, another way for that to work out. The journey from copyright to public domain. Copyright laws are complex and vary widely throughout the world, although few countries offer no copyright protection in line with international conventions. Most jurisdictions work on the premise that copyright is protected for the author's life, plus a minimum of 25 years after their death. So that's how copyright works. Okay, so let's have a look here. A good example would be Winnie the Pooh, a fictional anthropomorphic, anthrop oh my goodness, anthropomorphic teddy bear. Who uses these words? <laughs> Created by English author A.A. Milne and English illustrator E.H. Shepard is loved from fans all over the world. The first collection of stories about the character was created in 1926. Almost, sorry, after almost 96 years, the copyrights had expired and the book moved into the public domain on January 1st, 2022. The estate holding the copyright will receive no future value from the Winnie the Pooh. Even though the commercial value of such a worldwide famous cartoon character will remain high for a long time. That's pretty crazy, isn't it? So what they're looking to do here is extending the value, ex extending the time of the copyright clauses through an NFT, which will unlock and be able to change hands. Essentially, it's like a catalog, I would suggest. And if you own that NFT, you own part of that catalog. And what I'm liking about this is I'm starting to see NFTs come into a light where I can understand. I'm not talking about just a piece of art, which I, I don't, genuinely, I don't understand that. But... Again, you know, you don't necessarily need to understand something to be a speculator and to look to make money off of it. That's fine. 
But when I come to real world use, NFTs and linking it towards revenue structures and different ways where business can overlay that technology to better themselves, be more efficient, be safer, stronger, more profitable, I think that's a really, really good step in the right direction. And it's nice to see that after the birth of NFTs, so to speak, which was more or less uh, 2021, 2022, uh, the birth of NFTs. I mean, they've been around for longer than that. However, what we've seen is a real mass adoption on of NFTs. Generally in the art space, watching this next progression of NFTs is going to be a very exciting period of time and I'm sure offer us plenty of opportunities. So ladies and gentlemen, as always, don't forget that the markets go up, the markets go down. You need to maintain your safety, manage your risk and profit from whether it goes up or down. And the only way that I know how to do that is by going forth and being a trader, using margin or not using margin and trading spot. Either way, we can help you with that. All you need to do is visit the description below and you'll receive a link to tradercob.com whereby you can get your access to learn how to trade where thousands of other people have learned how to make money whether the market goes up or down and fit it in around their lifestyle. I hope you have a fantastic day. This has been this week's edition of This Week in Crypto. You stay safe out there and let's see if this little bit of buying that's come in continues throughout the week and we get some great trends. Have a great day. Bye for now.